Punching Holes in the Darkness is a podcast by the Baptist State Convention of Michigan. It's an opportunity for pastors and leaders in Michigan churches to have their voices heard and to share how to best reach our mission field from Detroit to the Upper Peninsula. Friends, I want to introduce to you one of our new partners. It is GuideServe. They are our financial partner who helps us take care of all of our nickels and noses, so to speak. Uh, GuideServe is an outsourced accounting partner for our Baptist State Convention of Michigan. Uh, GuideServe provides professional accounting solutions to churches and ministries all across the country. And they offer, they truly offer some comprehensive accounting and payroll solutions to organizations ranging from just beginning church plant to large churches and expansive ministries. And listen, if you'd like to know more about them, you can visit their website at guideserve.com or send them an email at info at guideserve.com. And by the way, if you mention BSCM, uh, when you do, it'll be a benefit to us as well. So welcome our new partner, GuideServe. Hi, Michigan Baptist. This is Mike Durbin, and I have a distinct privilege today to be able to talk with one of our Southern Baptist missionaries. Don Broker is an International Mission Board missionary to Japan. I met Don a number of years ago, and it's good to get reacquainted with one another and catch up. So, Don, you have an incredible Michigan connection. Would you tell us just a little bit about that for our listeners? Wow, yeah. So... Uh, Well, I was actually born in Michigan. I was born in Grayling and uh, have had ties to the state ever since. My parents, both sides are from Michigan, from Cadillac and the Detroit area. And then uh, growing up, we were kind of in and out of the state, you know, uh, over the years. But finally, my seventh grade year, um, we moved back. My dad had gone to Southwestern Seminary and uh, gotten his degree and then went back to Michigan to be a church planter. And so we moved to Grayling back to the place I was born and back to the place where my parents met and uh, was involved in the church plant. And even now I look back on that time and it's, uh, it's really amazing. I see how God used that to prepare me for what I'm doing now because we planted that church, you know, started in our home. And I remember on Sunday mornings, you know, the, the youth Sunday school room was in my bedroom. So I had to clean the room <laughs> every week, pull out the card table. You know, that was the youth Sunday school class. And downstairs in the living room was the the sanctuary and so we'd pull the pulpit out of the closet and set up chairs and and anyways there during those years of high school we were in grailing the whole time just had some really neat experiences of seeing a church planted working with mission teams that would come up and uh, so just really really valued that experience and see how god prepared uh, me for now through that time but yeah i definitely consider michigan my home state still pull for the home teams uh, and get up there every time we're back in the States, we spend a good amount of time up in Michigan. Uh, yeah. So we, I love Michigan. My wife's from South Carolina, so I'm trying to convert her and we have three kids and I'm trying to make sure that they're on team Michigan. And uh, so, <laughs> so, so far so good. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. You know, speaking of your wife, um, you graduated and then joined the United States air force. And as part of your journey, you ended up in Okinawa, Japan. And I believe that's where you actually met your, your wife. Where did that happen? Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I mean, 
when I start sharing kind of the story, the journey, and we all have stories, right? But how God brought me to Okinawa, brought me to the place to meet my wife and stuff. It, I actually went through basic training and went to tech school down in Mississippi. And so I was, I was assigned a job to go and work with the 82nd Airborne in North Carolina. It was, it was a special duty assignment that I was selected for, but I, you know, I had joined the Air Force and not the Army necessarily and really wanted to see the world. And there was a guy in my class who he was super excited about the job that I had received. And I found out he was assigned to Okinawa, Japan, and which I was intrigued by that. So we began to talk and found out we could actually swap jobs if we were in the same career field, same timeline. And so we uh, put in for that and actually got approved. And so I went to Okinawa and it was just a two year assignment. But as soon as I got there, probably within a month or two, began to look for a church and found out uh, that there was actually a Southern Baptist church there in Okinawa. So this church had been planted by our IMB missionaries, probably 45, 50 years prior to that. It was off base. Many, many military attended there, though. And actually, the pastor at that time was an IMB missionary. Music guy was an IMB missionary. And so uh, I went uh, the first Sunday and I was, you know, I was enlisted just out of high school. So I was 18. <clears throat> and I'm, I'm, Teresa met me at the door, kind of welcomed or whatever. And she thought I was in the youth group. So she took me up to the youth classroom and <laughs> I had to, you know, the best I could muster in my, uh, you know, manly voice. Uh, well, ma'am, I'm a service man. I think I'm supposed to be in the singles class. But uh, so that was the very first time we met. But it was cool because Teresa's parents actually, they ended up living there like her parents ended up living there like 14 years. Teresa herself was there from seventh grade through a year after high school. And they really considered that their mission field. They were there with the Air Force. He was civil service with the Air Force, but considered the Japanese and the Okinawans their mission field. And so they, at Koza, they taught the single Sunday school class. And so they were my Sunday school teacher. And her mom was a great cook and invited all the guys and ladies over for meals often. And so that's really where Teresa and I first met. And uh, yeah, actually, so we were quite young when we got married. Uh, got married at the end of that time and came back to the States. And ended up staying in another eight years, but that's another story. And uh, sure, yeah. well, it's really amazing that the very place that you met her, Japan, you are now serving together as international right. missionaries. Well, listen, as we're making this recording, uh, the Olympics are actually taking place uh, right now, and the wow. eyes of the world are on what. It, you know, was happening there. Champions from around the world, champions from the various countries have come to Japan to compete, compete. Uh, so what's it like right now uh, in Japan? And, and in particular, how, how are you and your team? You, you're the cluster leader of about 100 missionaries that serve in Japan. How are you guys right. ministering during all this? Yeah, it's really interesting um, I think for everybody in the world, we would say this time is not what we expected, right? Ministry-wise or life-wise. And sure. the Olympics are no exception. We've been making plans for the Olympics for probably about four plus years. I mean, this is a big deal, right? And for, for us, we saw this as a great opportunity uh, to really impact lostness as people came to Japan, uh, but also uh, for the Japanese. And that's Fortunately, that's been our focus from the very beginning is we said we want to really use this time 
to connect with local churches, go deeper with local churches, and impact Japanese with the gospel. And so just to give a little bit of context, had the Olympics happened last year as scheduled, we had about 250 to 300 Southern Baptist volunteers coming to spend the two weeks of the Olympics with us. So we had major projects planned, major outreach events, you know, renting public spaces and all this kind of stuff. Had people coming, musicians coming to perform and all that. And then obviously last year, everything changed. And so what I've been really proud of our missionaries for is the way that they've been super flexible and been able to pivot in all of that. So now, uh, even as of a few months ago, you know, they weren't even positive that the Olympics were going to happen. And so we had to kind of remain very flexible through this. But as soon as we knew that they were, uh, we, we put a plan into place. And our, our team leaders here in Tokyo have done a great job of leading that. But uh, we've basically arranged that every day during the Olympics, we've got outreach events happening around the city. And so those are anything from uh, prayer walking. We call them prayer walking plus because we'll go into neighborhoods partnering with local churches, local Japanese churches, and we're prayer walking around their neighborhoods. This is significant because uh, in many cases, the Japanese church, the small Japanese church is not necessarily known by their community. Like they don't have uh, relationships in their immediate community and they really want to begin to build those. So we're out prayer walking. Uh, And the plus is we're doing evangelism at the end of that time or during that time, right? So kind of prayer walking with your eyes open, engaging people as you go, sharing the gospel as you're able. We're also doing a thing called Five Minute English, uh, where we're going out to train stations. And this has been very, very effective, actually. Uh, We'll just stand out there. Maybe we'll have 10 or 12 of our missionaries kind of lined up outside the train station. And as people are coming, we're just holding signs that say, would you like to practice English? And we've produced, some of our missionaries actually produced some uh, pins for this year, because you may know that Olympic pins are a big deal and people love Mm -hmm. to trade them. And so we had some specifically designed one is a bridge, and it's our theme was Connect 2020. And then we have five different pins that represent different aspects of the gospel. And so we also have those pin sets that we're offering to, to give to people. And so as people stop, and they are stopping frequently, uh, we're having opportunities to share the gospel with them. We're inviting them to follow-up events. Uh, in fact, today, it's Saturday right now, uh, here in Japan, we've got an outreach event in the park that we've been funneling people to and pointing them to to come and join us. And that's going to be kind of the next step of engaging some of these folks. But uh, we've also done some manga events. And so if you're familiar, manga is like a Japanese comic of sorts, and it is extremely popular here. If you ride the train in Tokyo and Japan, you're going to see people from kids from age five to men in their 70s, 80s, sitting on the train, reading these Japanese comic books. It's, it's a uh, uh, yeah, and so we're, we've got a manga Bible with a set of uh, Bible stories. One's called uh, Manga uh, Messiah. And so anyways, we've been giving those out as well as some other tracks that have been produced specifically for uh, the Olympics. And one of our guys, in fact, it's been the Tokyo team leader, has been dressing up in cosplay. Do you know that term? Yeah. So basically yeah. Wearing, wearing different outfits and stuff to attract people. Uh, and it's just been really, really cool to see uh, the team pull together this way uh, and then to see the fruitfulness of it. And I would say a lot of that is due to the last year and a half of COVID, where so many people have felt so isolated 
And I know you guys have felt that and seen that in some ways in Japan, it may be magnified. There's a lot of singles here, a lot of people mm-hmm. who live by themselves. And so when we've gone into lockdown and stuff, those people have been extremely isolated. Um, and so you just see where people are very hungry for interaction. And I would say ultimately, uh, because 99% of the country is uh, not believers, you know, it's the second largest unreached people group in the world, uh, they're hungry for hope. And so we've just had some really great interactions with people. Yeah, it sounds like you guys have had the opportunity to, to help the local Japanese churches to impact the communities around them. And uh, that's always exciting to see, uh, see happen. I, I was reading some articles, and one of the th- things that I saw, um, you guys have been riding the subways or the trains around the city, uh, praying over the entire city. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so uh, every Tuesday, and this isn't uh, a ministry that we started. It's one that we've joined in with some of our local uh, Great Commission Christian partners uh, uh-huh. that actually launched this several years ago. But every Tuesday morning at 10 o'clock, uh, we'll meet up at a local station and ride. There's a loop line that goes around the main part of the city. It's called the Yamanote line. It's a circle line, right? So uh, they'll get on and and pray it's almost exactly an hour around the loop and so each stop has some prayer prompts that go along with it and uh, and then every week they'll pick a different station and actually get off at at that station uh, and pray specifically for that area but that's been a really great opportunity to invite local partners to join Uh, in some cases it's hard uh, for believers to share their faith. They're really overwhelmed by the prospect of that at times. And, but many times we'll just begin with the challenge. Can you pray? Can you pray? And so, and you know, uh, we know that as you begin to pray for your city, as you begin to pray specifically for the lost, the people of your community, God puts a burden in your heart and often asks you the question like, maybe you're the one to go share. Why can't you go share with those people? Yeah. So we've seen the desire for evangelism grow through praying together with locals. And so, yeah, that's a weekly event that has been very, uh, very successful. And in the area of prayer, the other thing I would want to mention um, is there was an initiative launched probably about two months ago, maybe even three months ago by another one of our partners, uh, international partners that began to call for and wanted to, uh, to build a million hours of prayer for Japan surrounding the Olympics, surrounding this time. And so this has gone international, like the, the calls to prayer and different events and links and stuff have gone international. And it has just been amazing to see, you mentioned earlier, the eyes of the world around Japan. I would say that God is doing something here that goes beyond the Olympics. And we've seen this the past few years that the interest in Japan is growing significantly. People are writing me constantly. How can we pray? How can we partner? And I attribute that to the work of the Lord, that God is raising up more and more people to be praying for Japan who want to come, uh, missionaries and short-term teams alike, uh, to join this work. And I, I believe that's a great indicator that God is working and preparing to do something even greater here. So prayer is foundational. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, this may be the single most concerted period of prayer focused on Japan and the Japanese people in all of human history. 
Wow. Yes. Oh, praise the Lord. That's awesome. And we are so thankful for that uh, because we do recognize the power of prayer. There are so many obstacles and and barriers, but prayer through prayer, God breaks those down through prayer. God, uh, God moves in, in the hearts of people. So, okay, folks, we'll be right back with a continuation of punching holes in the darkness podcast. Friends, we want to welcome today uh, One Mission TV as our sponsor here at uh, Punching Holes in the Darkness podcast. They have been an invaluable partner with us since I've come here to uh, the Baptist State Convention of Michigan. What they effectively have done is they took all of our media resources and we put them together in this one neat package that One Mission TV takes care of. They're just doing an admirable job for us and have really taken us to a different level in our media work. Here's some things they've done for us. They've done web design. They can do logo design, designs for print materials, and of course, any kind of video presence and and recording you'd like to do. And uh, they've really helped us enhance our online presence as they can for you. Great guys, great partners. You will be glad you have done this. They're really a one call media company and I think you'll be blessed by using One Mission TV. And friends, if you want to contact One Mission TV, you can do so at info at onemission.tv. That's info at onemission.tv. Yeah, those who are listening to this podcast may or may not know, I was surprised to learn that Japan, the Japanese people, it is the largest, second largest unreached people group in the world right that is amazing yeah yeah and i didn't realize that either um until uh so just a little bit of background we've been in east asia for about 18 years i guess going on 19 and we've served in this region for all of that time Uh, we've only been in japan for the last five and a half years and so we moved here about five and a half years ago to take the leadership role and uh I realized there was a lot I had to learn about Japan. And, and one of them was that, uh, that, you know, there's 126.5 million people here and less than 1% believers. And probably when we begin to talk about evangelical believers, maybe even less than half percent. Wow. And we've had missionaries here. The IMB has had missionaries here for over 130 years. And so there is a long history of work here. And so uh, the needs are great. Uh, but we're very, very thankful uh, that Southern Baptists to, continue to send missionaries to Japan. Uh, in fact, we are—we actually have uh, multiple folks waiting in the states to come. They've already been approved, already gone through training, and they're just waiting for the borders uh, to open. And yeah, there's there's a lot to be said by why 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 is Japan still you know the second largest unreached people group in the world? It's an open country, you know. So unlike other places in the world where it's very difficult for missionaries to have a presence or to have a ministry. It's completely open here. And there's a local church also. And so we consider those things to be great, I guess, assets in the work. But um, yeah, there's still a lot of work to be done. So thinking about the last year, year and a half with all the the COVID things that have been going on and, you know, the shutdowns and, and different things that countries have had to do to keep people safe, what, what have been some of the challenges 
that the work is is going through in Japan. Yeah, and I I think as I share these, these will be some there'll be some commonalities with what you guys have experienced back there in the states, and um, but for us, you know, right from the so this would have been like March of last year when everything started kind of hitting Japan, if you will. Um, they went into what they call the state of emergency. And so, you know, initially when we hear state of emergency, that's pretty severe. And so that a lot of our folks, we were pretty locked down for a couple of months, you know, only going out to the stores and things like that. And so the church is also shut down. And what we realized very quickly uh, was that a lot of the churches did not have the technology or the means to go online. A lot of their congregations are older, you know, 50, 60 plus, um, and did not have the technology to do it. So what was really cool is that God used that as an initial opportunity for us to minister to the churches. And I think even deep in our relationship, uh, even greater at that point. So some of our missionaries went into those churches, began to work with the pastor to get them online. How, how do you do Facebook Live? How do you get your people on? And, and so uh, a lot of the churches had never done that before but we're able to start doing that. And we're doing that week after week. Well, it's been interesting over the past 17, 18 months now, we have actually gone in and out of state of emergencies multiple times. In fact, we're in one right now. Uh, and it's, it's kind of crazy. I actually had to begin to look at uh, what, what does it mean that we're in a state of emergency? Really, that means we're in heightened measures, right? Because if you've watched any of the videos, and there's, there's a lot of videos on imb.org, showing some of the, the ministries that we're doing right now, people are out. I mean, the city is hopping, right? But everybody's wearing masks still. And so it has greatly limited our ability to really connect with a lot of new people because there still is that uh, kind of a uh, little bit of fear and we're behind in vaccines here and things like that. And so even as we speak right now, the vast majority of the churches are not meeting in person and they've had to go in and out of that. Uh, over the past year. The other uh, great challenge has been, as I alluded to earlier, we've got about 13 or 14 missionary units that are approved and ready to come to Japan. But because of the, the situation here, the borders are closed to new visa holders. And so they've been in a holding pattern. And, and so that's been challenging for us as we wait for them, but really for them as well, as they are so excited to be here and they just have not had the opportunity to come yet. And so, um, yeah, and I, I think fear um, has also been a, a great inhibitor. Um, if I think about one of the great barriers to uh, the work here in Japan, even pre-COVID, I would say that it's fear, uh, both for non-believers, but for believers of light alike, and specifically fear of man. Japan is a culture that, uh, it's very much built on harmony, right? And everybody kind of doing their part and respecting each other. And, and so uh, people don't want to do anything to offend anybody else. And so they're always so mindful of the things they say, even the expressions on their face. They, they don't tend to show a lot of emotion because they don't want to, to bother or upset other people. And so uh, adding in, I think, the fear of COVID and everything has just really kind of multiplied some of those challenges. And so one of our teams uh, in, in Kobe, they, um, they've continued to do outreach events. They, they actually invite people to come to a cafe. Uh, they call it an English and Korean cafe. We also have some Korean 
teammates. They're Korean American. And, and so folks who come, and these were just cold contacts that you know, maybe they met three days before at the train station, gathering together in a, a rented space and, and, you know, spending a couple of hours together. But during that time, not only practicing English or Korean, but finding ways to, to share the gospel. Uh, and that, yeah, that there would just be more and more gospel conversations happening on a daily basis and not all of them being done by missionaries and pastors, right? That that the common believer is having these conversations with their friends. Because like I said earlier, Japanese are hungry for hope. They are desperate for something uh, to, sp to speak hope into their lives. And we have Christians here that have that. And so we're just praying that they would be faithful uh, and desirous to, to share that with others. Um, you know, those words are, are just so powerful. I, I just kind of believe in my heart that God's, God's touching lives well man thank you so much for spending these moments with us we appreciate the work that you're doing send our love to the missionaries that are there and before i sign off is there is there something else that you're just burning to share with us i've just really um, appreciated again michigan baptists over the years the way that they've invested in my life i, I have such fond memories of bambi lake you know and uh you know, just <laughs> different statewide events and you know, my parents, Don and Diane, are still up in Gaylord, and uh, they are—they still very much have a, a heart for the church. They're involved in a, a small church plant right now. That, and, and so, the churches of Michigan and the work there hold a very special place in our hearts. And so, please know that we are praying for you because the work that you're doing to reach Michiganders with the gospel is very, very important. And we're so thankful for your faithfulness in the work. So please know that we are praying for you. I think that's probably a perfect place for us to come to a conclusion. This has been Punching Holes in the Darkness, a podcast from the Baptist State Convention of Michigan. If you have liked this episode, please rate us and leave a review. That will help others to find us and enjoy these conversations too. And if you subscribe, you will be notified when new episodes are available. Join us next time as we help Michigan churches punch holes in the darkness.